0: You're listening to Pollinate, a podcast on data, design, and the people that bring them to life. Brought to you by Stamen Design.
1: Embracing illustration as a daily practice, architectural floor plans for learning visual communication, and how to find your creative community through a Craigslist ad. These are just a few of the things you'll hear about in today's episode. My name is Amira Henkin, and I'm an experienced designer at Stamen. Today, I chat with one of Stamen's collaborators. With that, please
0: welcome my guest. My name is Catalina Perez. I am an information designer and an illustrator, and I am one of the regular collaborators at the Stamen.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Catalina. Thank you so much for being a guest.
0: Thank you for having me, Amira. This is great. I, yeah. I'm really eager to do
1: this. As am I. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. And there's a lot that I want to ask you about, but I'm hoping that to begin with, you could just talk to me about um, your background and sort of uh, how how you ended up doing what you do, um, uh, what your educational history looks like and <laughs> anything else that sort of feels relevant to uh, the work that you do now.
0: Uh, yeah, I I was just thinking that it's such a long story that I don't know if you're going to have enough time, but okay, here we go. Um, Give it a shot. Uh, yeah, my background is architecture. I am actually an architect, uh, and I then did a master in art history. I, for a good part of my professional life, I was a teacher. I was teaching uh, design principles and design history and art history at a design school. And I feel very, very, very passionate about the, the act of teaching and explaining. That is something that I really love. So I had always been also passionate about drawing. The thing about the school that I went to in in, in when I went to study architecture, they used to structure their syllabus by workshops. So when you started an academic year you had a an specific theme to work in. It could be as simple as to as building like a, a small house or creating an urban plan for a city. It depended on the level that you were in, but they all had in common that at the beginning of the year, you were assigned that theme, you were assigned a desk that that became like your office, and then you had to work with a partner. And normally, the execution of the project, like once the conceptual part was approved and everything, and you had to deliver the project, normally that execution had two parts. One was the three-dimensional model, And the other one was the drawings of the floor plans and sections and elevations. And I always choose the part of the drawing. I was totally fascinated about the power of this idea that is like a set of these visual languages and conventions to explain something that is as complex as a project that is like an architectural project. So I think it's like a mixture of this idea of something that I really love to do that is explaining stuff and this thing that I learned from a very very technical standpoint that is drawing floor plans and all <laughs> and architectural the drawings that made me go to this direction.
1: So were you doing illustration uh, alongside all of those more architectural drawings or was that something that you discovered later through that process?
0: No, actually it was because of architecture school that uh, I started to draw every day. I started to have like an illustrated journal. It was one teacher that I had that he, To this point is a special mentor and like a very influential person in my career. His name is Alberto Moreno and he was he was like a big intellectual and he was uh, this kind of teacher that was talking about an urban project but at the same time was explaining to you the principles of jazz And then at the same time, he was explaining to you that that had a lot to do with some modernist painting and whatnot. And he encouraged us to have like a notebook that we needed to carry all the time to draw everything that we were seeing because he was like very emphatic uh, all the time, explaining that we needed to observe the word and try to decipher it. And because of that, I started to draw on a regular basis. And then uh, when I started to draw, like after the fact, after I was teaching, after uh, I was uh, working as a professional, I, I kept drawing all the time. And then it became kind of natural. I was living in Barcelona and some people saw the drawings and then they published one. And that happened like in a very natural way, I think.
1: That's wonderful. I love that idea of um, art as a daily practice and finding ways to incorporate that into your your day-to-day routine. And I think yeah. it's so important. Do you still do that?
0: I don't do it on a regular basis. I try to do it when I go to visit a new place or when I go on vacation. Like, I try to keep an illustrated journal of those trips because I think it's so... The thing that happens with something that you decide to draw is that it's so selective. Like, you really are making an effort and maybe an unconscious exercise of selecting what is the most important thing that you want to do. And it's always so beautiful when I go back to the drawings of, of my trips or the places that I visit to, because when I share it with the people that I went to that trip, sometimes sometimes people don't remember that, when, but they see the drawing and they, it really brings a sweet me- memory because that exercise of abstraction and selection that you do when you decide that something needs to be drawn.
1: It's wonderful. Like you you mentioned that um, part of what you love about drawing is the communication aspect of it. And yeah. um, I, I love that you are, you know, it sounds like you've always been thinking like a communication designer or an information designer. And I am wondering if, um, did it feel like a very distinct pivot to to move from architecture and art history towards illustration in terms of a career? Was there a a specific moment where that happened or did it just kind of happen gradually?
0: It happened kind of gradually, but I have to say that in my mind, those limits are not very sharp. Those limits are kind of blurry. Like if I could go back (laughs) in time I think I will go back to architecture school and I will study in the same school that I went to because I think that everything that I know about visual representation and visual communication, I learned it there. So it was such a beautiful moment and then, and I think it's it has been very influential. I have the tendency to understand everything as a whole. Even now, when I introduce myself, I say that I am an information designer and an illustrator. But I only do that for the rest of the world. (laughs) Because in my mind, they are not that different. Or at least the kind of illustration that I do. Because the kind of illustration that I do is very explanatory. It's always serving an explanation, something that needs to be like an idea that has to be communicated. It's not the illustration that is like an editorial illustration that is going to be the art part of a text.
1: I love that you are happy working in this kind of blurry space um, Mm -hmm. of, or, you know, you might even argue it's just, it's interdisciplinary. You know, there's crossover between um, illustration and information design with with anything and everything, um, which is what's so beautiful about it.
0: I don't think it's a, an idea that is very popular <laughs> when you <laughs> when you are uh, describing what, what you do in such a like like such a broad way, um, and also because normally it's, it's difficult to explain what you do. Like, it's not like you're saying, I am a dentist. That is like, okay, that's what you do. So it's like, a, it's blurry. It's like, yeah, <laughs> sometimes it, it's, it's hard to
1: understand. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, um, how how would you describe what an information designer does and, and what you do or what you um, what kind of services you're able to provide?
0: Yeah, uh that's a very good question. I think that information design like it the value at its core is the idea that is successfully communicated from a visual standpoint. Like, it's easy. Of course, we're talking about very blurry lines when you talk about data visualization or information design, or in my case, illustration. But I think that when it comes to information design, the most important part is the ability to tell a story, the visual storytelling part of it, like the idea that you have to be concise enough and visually compelling enough in order to represent a complex idea. I think that the clarity of communication is a key part of the information design.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What does that look like? You know, what <laughs> I being familiar with your work, I feel like I have a good idea of the range of what that can look like, but I'm wondering if you could describe, you know, what... What are the outputs from this, you know? Like, what is the range here?
0: It's so wide because it, when you talk about visu- visual information, you the very first thing that people think about is infographics. That, of course, is a very effective way to represent something in a visual way. But when it comes to the different branches that come from, visu- from visual information, it can be also directions, maps. For example, cartography in genera- general has a lot to do with visual information and less to do with data visualization. <laughs> so that part of being able, for example, in a map, to communicate where things are, this, the size, the shape, the colors—all those things that you have to take in co- into consideration—are a pure terrain of uh, visual information.
1: So that's really interesting. It, you know, it sounds like it can be anything from something that really is data-driven to something that is a lot more about storytelling and maybe more conceptual in nature. When you talk about infographics or something that's more of a, a visual journey that you're walking somebody through.
0: Yeah, that's true, and I think that might be like the big difference between information design and data visualization. Like all the, of course, that most of the things that I do are data driven, but normally the complexity of the data that I'm working it, working with is not that complex. It's not that big. Why, when when you're working with complex uh, projects of data visualization, that is like the key point of it. I think in both cases, the most important part is really caring about that visual message that you are going to communicate and direct.
1: I'm sure we'll we'll get deeper into that um, when we talk. About- I'm not
0: sure about yeah. this last answer.
1: <laughs> I there's so much. I mean. I, so much I want to ask you about your your process, really, um, and the tools that you're using. But I actually, I mean, taking a step back, I I would love to know more about your history working with Stamen and how you um, began that that working relationship, um, and and how that's you know evolved over the years.
0: I moved to San Francisco in two thousand sixteen. I'm terrible with tears, so I don't remember, and I'm sorry about that. The thing is that when I moved to San Francisco, I didn't know anyone there. I moved there for family reasons, and then what I decided is that I needed a place to go to work. I needed to get out of my house because I didn't want to spend my days working from home, in our city that I didn't know anyone because I knew that what was going to happen is that I was going to be working all the time and I was going to be missing like all the day-to-day activities. I have such a specific I had such a specific idea back in the day. I was looking for a design studio that was renting a desk in their studio. So I couldn't find it because that's not that normal. I just had this idea because I had a bunch of friends in Barcelona that ha- that had this business model. They are a big design studio, but they, their space where he was huge. So they rented desks. And when I moved to San Francisco, I was all the time looking for places to go to work. And the only thing that I could could find back in the day was co-working space that were very tech uh, driven and tech personality and everything. And then one day I found an ad on Craigslist that was saying something like, "We're a design studio. We're renting a desk." <laughs> We are a design studio in the Mission District that was perfect for me, the location. We are a design studio that uh, we love plants and maps. And I was like, what's this? <laughs> this What's this sign of from heaven? This is very weird. So I went to see the place. And I loved it, of course, because the statement office is so beautiful. It is so eclectic it has so many layers and I was like yes this is the place that I want to visit that I want to that I want to work uh, in and then I ended up renting a desk there so I was a statements tenant for a while but since I did it because when I went to see their space what they were proposing was to rent me like one of the closed offices that they have. And I was like, no, 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 no. I just want to be in the middle of everything. I I want, I need to see people. (laughs) So I ended up working next, next to their studio manager that was right before Eric Rodenbeck's office. So I was there in the middle of the time, and one of the things that I love the most about going to their studio is that Stamin has a very solid tradition of having lunch together. Like we, and I say we because I was part of it. I was okay. Uh, we stop at this at at, at noon and we go buy lunch and we, then we go and sit together around the table and we have a conversation that was very. Intriguing to me the fact that no one talked about their job at this lunch. It was just a conversation about, I don't know, current events, what's happening, what are we watching, what are we listening to? So my professional relationship with Stamen started because we became friends first. We, We were friends. And then... Uh, because I was in the middle of everything and then they I assumed that they were seeing what I was working in all the time in my monitor and everything it came a moment that they needed a more illustrated project and they asked me to do it and it was the beginning of this beautiful relationship that I really cherish and it's like it was amazing. It was amazing because it was something that I wasn't even looking for intentionally. But when it happened, it made so much sense. It was perfect.
1: I love that story. Um, and I think that it's such a beautiful thing that, that we found you and you found us in this, this really organic way. And you yeah, mentioned yeah. actually that this is something that you had friends um, doing in other parts of the world, this idea of renting a desk um, somewhere that was just inspiring. And I, I hope that can become more common here, you know, too. Yeah, right? um, and, and eating lunch together, you know, that, um, just to, to have those moments where, um, you can draw inspiration from the people around you, um, not just the, the work that you're doing, but the, yeah. the people and the personalities.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Like, because actually I, I had the opportunity to meet them all. From a personal standpoint, there was a very long period of time that I had no idea about their roles in the company. I had no idea. I knew I knew about the designers because that's like a common language and that's, that's kind of easy to decipher. But when it comes to, to other uh, roles in the company, I was like... I had no idea who was a permanent collaborator or a contractor. I I had no idea who was uh, part of like a who was an employee and who was not because you like. I think that one of the most beautiful things about Damon in general is like this personal connection that creates with their team. So it was, it was really great to be part of it and to be part of it, like from Monday to Friday, every day I was there.
1: (laughs) There's also something um, really poetic about um, one of the first ways I was introduced to your work actually, which is um, this absolutely stunning mural that oh, you, thank you so run much. in the uh, Stamen headquarters space, and it's right around the communal uh, lunch table, dining table. Yeah.
0: That, is, that is their workspace as well.
1: Hard <laughs> to describe without Hard to describe. seeing it. <laughs> but yes, it's a very open space and um, there's this absolutely gorgeous mural. Um, And it's, again, really hard to describe without seeing it, and we'll make sure to to post some pictures online. But um, I'm wondering if you could walk us through what that mural is and what that process was like.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. It was so cool to do that project because it's it's very easy to end up working in a digital space all the time. That's very easy. So even going back to my journals and my notebooks feels like so analog <laughs> that 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 the it, it, like sometimes it, it's quite it's quite shocking so uh, I was commissioned by a statement to create a mural in their main space and at the beginning they just wanted a mural it was like that like the commission was like we want a mural. And <laughs> it was about what? And it was like, please bring some concept and ideas. So it was a, some back and forth with them. I really wanted to represent what, like the statement essence that is this studio from a long longevity that is doing data visualization and maps. And I started to think that that since maps are such a fundamental part of the statement's work, I wanted to create something that was like a meta situation of that. Like if this is a studio that is working about maps and about the fact that you are visualizing something, how can you do something that is accurate for them so i created this mural that is works like a grand gallery like one of those galleries that have like different pieces of art that are small and big that was the first uh, part of it, and I wanted to represent the concept concept of "you are here." Like every time that you see a map, like the ultimate ultimate goal of a map is the showing this relative position. So I wanted to show in these different art pieces, different diagrams and maps of the statements location and relative position, but in order to do that, I ended up using topographic maps, uh, urban maps, floor plans, sections, I used uh, geological layers. I used diagrams, Venn diagrams. It's like a collection of different uh, ways to represent that. And I think that from the most visual standpoint, something that was very important to make the project is that we wanted the mural to be present enough that was there. But since this space, as we mentioned, is when where everything happens. I didn't want it to be like visually loud, like something something that is like all the time like very very present. So the colors are very neutral and I think that the most challenging part from the technical standpoint is that it is freehand and hand drawn entirely. So the challenging part of making it was the fact that I was for example drawing hatch lines that were as detailed as something that I, I'm going to do on paper, but I was drawing on a wall. So it took a while. I think that they were <laughs> very patient because I think that the estimation of the project in the beginning, to me, it was like, yeah, it, let me give me three days and I will finish. And it was like a week of me in the middle of everything. <laughs> Trying to be like a fly on a wall, but I mean, it's impossible. I was painting; I, it was kind of a mess, but it was it was it was a, such a good experience to be there in the middle of the space painting. <laughs> it is
1: so wild and lovely to me that you were, you know, asked to make this mural. That must be what twenty feet by fifteen yeah. feet wide. And you know, Amira uh,
0: that I that I only speak the metrics in metrics. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> I, know for a fact I, I know for a fact that it's seven and a half meters and two and a half meters high. You my dear and beloved Americans. <laughs> <are
1: good enough. laughs> so you know, um, the system we're using, we're talking a large scale mural here, and an entire wall. And yeah. what is so wonderful to me is that you you did use tools that you were familiar with and that spoke to your process and philosophy as an illustrator. You know, you you used yeah. these fine this fine line work, and um, these paint pens, and um, to create these really really richly detailed um, pieces. Um, and I'm I'm wondering what that was like for you to to work on that scale with this tool set that you'd been using um, on a much different level.
0: It was challenging uh, the part because I use a lot of paint at the beginning. It has like, like a lot of layers of paint It's not quite noticeable because there are like different layers of a very pale gray. That is what is making the like the optical illusion of what is happening there. Um, so that part was challenging because like really painting is not my my natural medium. but when I started the more detailed part of it that is that was drawing in freehand on a wall, it was fascinating. I, I basically was like listening to music and spending there like hours i had to stop only because it's such an like unnatural way to position your body to draw that I was having like a stiff neck all the time because you are like drawing on a wall. But yeah, it was it was challenging because it was huge. It was challenging because uh, calculating the time that you're going to spend doing it. It was weird. You don't know how long it's going to take you to fill a wall. <laughs> but from the this technical standpoint i was having a blast because ha- like having the opportunity to draw freehand for so long it was such a good experience i loved it
1: and i'm sure that differs very greatly from your your process and tools for any digital work that you're doing and i'd love to oh, know yeah. more about that end of the spectrum too you know as we think about um projects that you've done that are more in the infographic realm or the data visualization realm. What does that process look like for you?
0: It's, it's, of course, it's different. I I think that one of the most fascinating things about doing what we do is not only the conceptual part that I, I always enjoy a lot, but the part of working with the tools that you have in front of you is so beautiful, like... Every time that there's a new software or something that you have the opportunity to explore, I really love it. Like, And I love it as much as when I discover a new kind of notebook that has a different kind of paper. It's something that gives you like a new opportunity to create new stuff. So... In the case of the more digital data visualization projects, the process really is not that different at the beginning because I always starts with a sketch. Like everything that you see in a digital form has its version as a sketch that I have done in one of my notebooks. And then what is beautiful about all the computer-generated graphics is the precision and all this flexibility and mostly when you are so used to work freehand or with uh, your hands in general, this possibility of undo. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> I know that I'm sounding like a grandma here, but when you really work in those two different words, it's so funny because um, I use this tool to draw in in my iPad that is called Procreate. And they have like these uh, gestures when you have to undo the thing that you just did that you didn't like. So you just tap your screen with two fingers. Mm -hmm. And I have discovered, I have found myself when I am drawing on my notebook, sometimes like doing this same gesture of tapping the (laughs) paper with my two fingers because that's so engraved in your in your like it's like a memory muscle that is right there but it's not it's, of course it's not going to happen it's so funny and frustrated
1: <laughs> um what are you working on these days either for statement or or personal work um what's what's exciting you about work that you're doing
0: right now i work i am working in a project for a, a company in spain i cannot really talk that much about it. I think this answer is very boring because most of the things I can really talk
1: about. <laughs> it's the, the blessing and the curse of client services work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, what about any um, personal projects that you're either working on or have done recently?
0: The personal project that is an ongoing thing for me is my journals. That is the one of the things that I cherish the most. And it's not that recent, but one of the personal projects that I have enjoyed the most is working in a project of data visualization that I did for my sister. My sister is a musician, and in 2019, she's a, she's a, a musician and she travels a lot. She's touring all the time. She's, she performs in in different places of the world. And I always had this feeling that music is so ephemeral, like things happen in, and it's the beauty of it, of course, but since I am such a visual person, I wanted to collect all this information and make it visual. So I made this project. I convinced her to collect all, like create a data set, that had all the places that she went to and the size of the audience and uh, the type of performances that she did. She's an experimental musician. So she was doing back in 2019 uh, concerts, but she was also doing a project about uh, uh, live soundtracks to music. And so I wanted to, to create like a visual narrative that will explain all of that like how many many people went to see her how often were were the concerts close together like i wanted to see that because it's like so fascinating to me like this kind of life and this kind of experiences that she had so after that i made this project that not only gave me the opportunity to explore um, digital uh, data visualization project, but the opportunity to work close with my sister and the final result of it, it's a video that is an animated data visualization that also has her music. When the piece was finished from the visual standpoint, I sent it, sent it over to her and she created an original music too for it. So it was such a complete experience. And it was like a long project that took a while and it took several stages of it. And yeah, that is like the most complex uh, personal project that I've made.
1: I bet that was really cool for her to be able to see this data represented in some way. And I'm wondering, like, did you come across any interesting stories or, Moments where you were like, "Wow, this is when this particular thing happened," or or anything like that. I don't
0: think we. I don't think we we had uh, something like that at the moment. But what was very surreal is that this year that I represented was 2019. So when I finished the project, it was 2020, middle of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Musicians are not traveling, they're not touring, they're not having live performances. So when I finished this project, it looked like I had made a project of something that happened a while back. Because she, but by that moment she was not performing for, performing that often, and it was very weird to see this thing, like like how intense it was, and then all of a sudden it wasn't, like like a visual, a visual uh, representation of something like a, of a reality that is not longer there.
1: Wild to see that um, the absence of data. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, right. In this case, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is next for Catalina where <laughs> where what are you looking forward to, to either working on um, or are there kind of dream projects that um, you you're thinking about dream data sets, dream clients that sort of thing?
0: Oh, I don't know that's a that's a tricky question. It's <laughs> I think I am an optimist that is very very unclear about the future. Like I, I know something good is coming but I am not able to make it in in a concrete form. My expectations will be to keep collaborating with the statement. and I really love to work like the clients that we work with and uh, the kind of projects that we have. I am very enthusiastic about maps in general and this possibility of visual communications in v- visual communication in maps. But I also like enjoy so much the like the more simple information graphics that I think that in a in an ideal world, I will keep doing like a mix of complex projects and more simple projects. It's something that I, that I really enjoy and I really hope to keep doing. Wonderful.
1: Thank you so much, Catalina. It's been, it's been so lovely talking with you. You've been an awesome guest.
0: Thank you so much, Amira. I, I really appreciate this opportunity and I thank you for all your questions and everything. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for listening to Pollinate. Thanks so much to Catalina for our great conversation today, and the most thanks to Ross Thorne for production of this episode. Music for Pollinate was created by Julian Russell. You can see more of Catalina's work by going to her website at catalinaplay.com. that's Catalina, pl dot com, and can also go to stamen.com slash blog for a summary and full transcript of today's episode, as well as to see images of the beautiful mural we talked about.